Thank you for tuning in to the 105th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, wherever you are, however you may be listening, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Music, I want to thank you for making me the show part of your day. Being recorded from Murphy, John Carroll University, University Heights, Ohio. Got a great show today. Going to have Silas Garrison on. Uh, in about 10 to 12 minutes. A lot of NFL with Silas. Uh, from the Bills to the Chiefs to the Patriots to why doesn't Russell Wilson get more respect in NFL circles? Everybody talks about Baker Mayfield, but nobody talks about Russell Wilson. I don't understand. I'm going to ask Silas all of that. And also, Silas is going to tell me who won the who won the rat beef between Shaquille O'Neal and Damian Lillard. But before we get there, I want to start with something that became an international controversy a national controversy, and then a sports controversy in the sports world. So Daryl Mooring, general manager for the Houston Rockets, right, Daryl, Daryl, a great name, by the way, uh, even though it's his name, his name, Daryl, spelled uh, incorrectly, I might add. But Daryl Mooring has a tweet, and um, here's what he tweets. He tweets, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. Little tweet, right? If you ask me what, what it meant, about two weeks ago, I wouldn't. I would have scoffed at it. I would not have known. But that tweet, ladies and gentlemen, became a national controversy. That tweet, ladies and gentlemen, led to Daryl Morey's name being mentioned on CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News, and having politicians talk about him. And that tweet highlighted something that I think you all need to know. You see, in life, right, and in sports too, there are things we just assume. Everybody assumes that LeBron James is the most athletic basketball player of all time, right? Because he's 6'8", 260 pounds. But people forget Michael Jordan had a higher vertical and was faster than LeBron. You see, there's a common thing that we all assume. People assume that Tom Brady's a system quarterback and Bill Belichick made him. But then you need to realize Bill Belichick's a defensive coordinator. He doesn't handle the offensive side of the ball. People assume that Kobe Bryant is clutch. Kobe Bryant, and he's my favorite athlete, my favorite basketball player of all time. Kobe's missed more game-winning shots than he's made. People assume that college athletes don't get paid at the Division I level. College football and basketball players, they don't get paid. Really? Zion Williamson's mom was a uh, quote-unquote intern for Nike getting paid last year for Duke. They get paid. I know a guy named Reed, and I told Reed I was going to mention his name. Reed has a Blue Yeti microphone. His Blue Yeti's black. I assumed that Reed did a podcast just like me, but you want to know what? That Blue uh, Yeti mic that Reed has is used for gaming. I just assumed. We assume stuff. We assume that the NBA is so socially woke, so liberal, and then we assume that the NFL is so conservative, so closed-minded, and... That perception starts to become reality. That narrative that gets put out there again and again and again, and we all consume it. You consume it. I consume it. But that's not the case. 
You want to know what happened when Daryl Morey tweeted this socially woke stance against Hong Kong? Because uh, for those of you who don't know, and I don't want to get too much into that, a lot of things are going on in China right now that not, aren't necessarily kosher. You, but you want to know what people said? The same LeBron James that said, Donald Trump this, Donald Trump that. You know what LeBron James said? I believe he was misinformed when talking about Daryl Morey and not educated on the situation. LeBron James said, LeBron added Morey's tweet was dangerous. LeBron said he is uncertain about the future ramifications of Morey's tweet with the NBA and its players. You know what that sounds like? LeBron James is a smart man. He's a, almost a billionaire athlete, right? He realized that China brings in $4 billion annually to the NBA. So he's like, we can't talk about China. We can't talk about China. But we can talk about Donald Trump and we can talk about all this other stuff, right? Because China's the cash cow that makes all of the money. When people say, oh my God, the NFL this, the NFL that, they didn't give Colin Kaepernick a chance. No. They didn't give Colin Kaepernick a chance because of business. Just like how the NBA is turning its back right now on Daryl Morey. Because of business. The biggest mistake you can make is thinking that sports leagues and humans in general, that they care about certain issues like that. You know what it's about? It's about money. It's about moolah. It's about green. It's about dollar bills. It's about Ben Franklin's. That's what it's about. That's what drives the industry. From the concession stands to the people that go to the games, to the television sponsors, to the advertisers, to the shoe deals. And people don't realize this nearly enough. You know who runs the NBA? Shoe deals. You know why Michael Jordan is still making millions of dollars? Shoe deal. Jordans. Everybody wears them. Money. Money is what drives these sports teams. The NFL is no better than the NBA. The NFL is no better than the MLB or the NHL. The owners want to make money and the players want to make money. That's something they all have in common. And you want to know what? They're willing to do stuff that, dare I say, might be a little bit shady so they can make money. So next time you have a friend who assumes, hey, hey, man, and I have a friend like this, Scotty. Friend of the show, by the way, shout out to Scotty Johnson. Always assumes like the NBA is so much morally higher than the NFL. No, bruh, it's not. They're one in the same. Both interested in money, not necessarily interested in social justice necessarily. Not unless it has to do with money and branding. Now, like I said, we're going to have Silas Garrison on the show in a bit. But also, here's what I'm going to talk about, right? A great weekend of NFL football. Uh, the Falcons. I want to talk about this because it's really interesting, right? And a lot of times people always talk about what leads to success in sports. And, and I think that there's a chain of command, right? Like if you have a good owner, a good GM, a good coach, good quarterback in football, right? You win. Why are the Patriots so good? You have Kraft, one of the best owners in sports. You have a coach slash GM in Bill Belichick, one of the greatest cap manipulators, one of the greatest defensive, greatest defensive minds of all time. Then you have Tom Brady, the GOAT. One of the clutchest quarterbacks of all time. Everything seems down. It's a system. Any good organization, any sound family, any sound team, anything in life needs to have function to it. It can't be dysfunctional. It has to go smoothly. Right? Right? Michael Jordan, he was averaging 40 points a game, but guess what? He didn't start winning rings till he had Phil Jackson. They put him in the triangle offense. Kobe Bryant. 
as good as Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal were, right? They didn't win till Phil got there. Tim Tebow. Remember everybody, Tim Tebow? When Tim Tebow was super good in college football, he was in the spread option. You want to know why Cam Newton's so good? They run quarterback power. That's why he won MVP. You want to know why Tom Brady's so good? 7 to 10 yard slants. Working in the middle of the field. Slot receivers and tight ends. You need a system. Most players in sports, they're system players. Most players don't transcend the system. Because you want to know who transcends the system? LeBron James. <laughs> Not many other guys besides LeBron transcend the system. Now, I want to look at this, right? I want to go back about three years. Uh, and I remember this night vividly because this is when I bowed down as a Bills fan to the Patriots. Uh, I was sitting in my dorm room freshman year. I was in Pacelli Hall, and I'm watching the Super Bowl alone, right? I think my roommate was in the room too. But I'm really watching it alone. I'm really focused on it. Around the middle of the uh, beginning of the third quarter, the, pay the Falcons are up 28-3. to Matt, at this point, Matt Ryan is the MVP. The Falcons are flying around. Uh, Dan Quinn is looking like he's a great head coach. And Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, they come back. They win in overtime, and I bow down. The Patriots are the GOAT. Tom Brady's, you can't touch Tom Brady's in rarefied air. He's Jesus, right? That's basically what, what, I, what I did. I paid reference to the Patri reverence to the Patriots. But you want to know what, what really happened and why the Falcons, they haven't gotten back to the Super Bowl and why they've struggled? Because you want to know what? Julio Jones, their star wide receiver, Julio Jones came back. Matt Ryan, the returning MVP, came back. Dan Quinn, the head coach that got the team to the Super Bowl in his second year at the time, came back. You want to know who didn't come back? Kyle Shanahan. Let me rephrase this name for people. Kyle Shanahan, the offensive coordinator. His dad was Mike Shanahan. Zone rock, uh, zone running uh, blocking schemes. Very uh, good at getting receivers open. He was a wide receiver. Can get inside the quarterback's head and knows how to get the best out of his quarterback. Kyle Shanahan leaves. <laughs> the Falcons start having red zone problems, right? Julio Jones. They have Calvin Ridley. They have Muhammad Sanu. They have all these weapons. And they can't dominate. They can't score. The Falcons are 1-5 this year. And guess what? Fun fact. One team in the NFL, they're undefeated. New England Patriots, right? Team I said, I pay reverence to. Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, Kraft. You have to respect that. The other team who's undefeated? The San Francisco 49ers. They have Richard Sherman, who talks a lot and runs his mouth. They have Jimmy Garoppolo. But you want to know who's their head coach? Kyle Shanahan. The team that obliterated the Browns on Monday Night Football two weeks ago. The team that dominated the Los Angeles Rams. The team that was just in the Super Bowl last year. Respect. Respect the process. Respect the people in the organization that allow the players to do well. Because you want to know what? Matt Ryan hasn't been an MVP. He hasn't. And I wanted to read out Matt Ryan's MVP stats. He had a 117.1 quarterback rating, the highest of his career. 79.6 QBR, the highest of his career. He had seven picks, the lowest of his career. 39 touchdowns, the highest amount of his career. 9.3 yards per pass, highest of his career. 69.8 completion percentage, highest of his career. MVP had a Super Bowl berth. Hasn't come close to those numbers at all. Maybe Dan Quinn wasn't the one that got the Falcons to the Super Bowl. Maybe it was Kyle Shanahan. And we're seeing what Kyle Shanahan's doing in San Francisco. And it's pretty damn scary. They look like the best team in the NFC.
Now, cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Silas Garrison on the show. Cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. And we have my man's, my brother, Silas Garrison on the show. How you doing, Silas? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Ready to go. What's up? Silas, do you have any nicknames that people call you? Uh, yeah. Uh, Prince. <laughs> um, I used to watch the first Prince of Ballet when I was really young. I used to watch it so much that my granny was like, boy, we're going to start calling you Prince. You keep on watching it. And she started calling me Prince, and it just kind of stuck. So you know a little something about Will Smith? Absolutely. Hey, a lot of people I know don't know who Will Smith is, Silas. That's all I just had to ask. Oh, uh, if you don't know, okay, if you don't know who Will Smith is, all you have to do is type in who created the Bop Fade. <laughs> that Bop Fade came from Will Smith in the 1990s. Him and Malcolm X, absolutely. Lord have mercy, Silas. Okay, Silas, Rob Gronkowski says he will not come back this year. He said he retired for a reason. Do you believe him? Dude, he looks like a swimsuit model. He's not ready. He's not even in condition to play football anymore. See, and here's what people don't realize. As a football player, we don't really get tired of playing football when the game's over. It's not that we don't enjoy playing football. It's not that we don't enjoy getting hit. It's not that we don't enjoy the game. We don't enjoy the preparation for the game. Waking up at 6 a.m. and lifting. Uh, watching film late hours into the night. To the night, excuse me. Those are things that people tend to fall out of love with. It's never a matter of people not wanting to play football. I believe in my love Gronkowski loves playing football or wants to play football. I don't think that's the issue whatsoever. But he has fallen out of love with having to go to rehab to get himself ready to go to football. To, uh, having watched film consistently while he's rehabbing, right? Uh, consistently having to go through two days, having to go through these practices where he's getting banged there and then having to you know, play a game. The game is the reward, but it's everything else that he became tired with. And for that, it's once you get out of that swing of uh, out of the swing of that motion, it's very hard to go back into it. And for all sorts of purposes, I mean, do you see the way Rob Gronkowski looks right now? It doesn't look like he's coming back to football anytime soon. And I don't blame him. He's made enough money, and he's played, you know, for a heck of a team. He's a part of a dynasty, you know. And I think whether he came back or not, I think his legacy is solidified. Could he play? Don't could he play a receiver? Or like, a, uh, say it again. Could he play receiver? Could he play receiver? Um, no, I think. I, honestly, I think that would be worse because you know how corners are. They would really start putting hits on him. You know, at tight end, the the biggest see, and here's the thing: a lot of things he didn't suffer these injuries from. You know, catching the ball. A lot of these injuries came from the fact that you have to remember: sure, he he gets tackled and stuff, but also the type of blocker he was on offense. You know, I mean, they pretty much put Rob Gronkowski in as another you know pass protector for Tom Brady. So. You know, all things being equal, you imagine being an offensive lineman. Most offensive linemen don't play until they're 32. And he had just as much responsibility as an offensive lineman as he did catching the ball. So in terms of being a receiver, I don't ever think Rob Gronkowski was that fast. And I think a lot of people would want to play him Mancy. If, if Rob Gronkowski, um, if he was a receiver... One thing that I would do is I would play man on him all day long 
and I I would just not play press. I would I would tell my corner to play about seven to eight yards off because then I'm always going to be able to keep Rob in front of me because he's so big. He's going to be able to bully past me if I get if I don't get hands on. Or even if I do get hands on, he'll be able to pick me up. So I'm going to play at seven to eight yards, and then he's going, and the only thing that he can catch on me at that point is a slant, and I'll be able to come up and make a play. And you know this, you're not going to be able to slant me all the way down the field to score a touchdown. So I don't believe, he not, first of all, I don't think he's coming back at all, but um, I, I very much think he'll come back as a receiver. Now, see, a lot of people have been saying that the Patriots are the best team in the NFL, but my concerns about the Patriots have been, they're offensive line. They can't block. They can't protect Tom Brady. And honestly, Silas, they have no pass catchers besides Julian Edelman. So don't you think they might need to call Gronkowski? Um, I don't know if they were to call somebody. I doubt that it would be Rob Gronkowski. Um, I just don't. I You know, football is not one of those type of games where you can just get somebody off the couch. You know, if you yeah, Rob Gronkowski was not himself even in that last part of last year. He wasn't, you know, the Rob Gorkowski that we've been accustomed to seeing. He wasn't the Pro Bowl uh, type of tight end that we were accustomed to seeing. So even if you get Rob Gorkowski back, it's not like you're getting somebody who is going to make your team exceptionally better in the first place because he was a mere seller himself before. Um, with that being said, I get where you're coming from. I don't think he would be the answer if I were Bill Belichick. I would trade for another player. I would trade for a blockbuster receiver, knowing that Tom Brady is in the latter part of his career. He's done enough uh, to, to, to warrant getting another receiver. We screwed it up with Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, in my opinion, now is kind of starting to look like the winner of that at this point because, sure, he's not playing in the league, but now the Patriots still have to pay him, and now they are still without you know a number one wide receiver. So, honestly... I would probably call Antonio Brown before I would call Rob Gronkowski because you've got to pay him anyway. You might as well let him play. If there was a receiver that the Patriots could trade for, who, who, what's a name that would come to your mind? You know, right now, um, I would probably look at Stephon Diggs. I would take a look at Stephon Diggs. Uh, they said Stephon Diggs can't be traded or whatever. Uh, anybody can be traded for the right type of money. Um, I believe Stephon Diggs would immediately make them uh, a true number one in the AFC. Um, but, and right now, most of the receivers that are playing um, currently, I'm trying to think, most of the receivers that are playing right now they're already on teams that are pretty much solidified. Honestly. Julio Jones, Julio Jones. Crazy. Julio Jones. Huh? Julio Jones. Julio Jones. No, Julio Jones just, yeah, but you can't trade for Julio. He just signed a max contract. They're not going to trade him after a max, which honestly, and, you, and here's the thing. I would do that. I'm not going to lie to you, Daryl, but the thing is, the Patriots, they like to take people for cheap. You know, so I don't really see them doing that. But you know who I would, and this is kind of almost going to contradict what I said. You, you want to know if I was Tom Brady, who I, or if I was Bill Belichick, who I would trade for? I would go after Odell Beckham. I'll go after Odell Beckham right now. Odell, look, here's the issue in Cleveland. Right now, Odell Beckham cannot get the ball because there is too much talent around. And the, and the reason why people are getting open, the reason why you see so many people getting open on that team, first of all, Baker Mayfield is playing like an amoeba 
let's just make that very clear. But it is not the receiver's fault. And I pay attention to the film, so I watch what's going on downfield, also because I'm a very big fan of the Cleveland Browns. And Odell Beckham is open. I mean, he is cooking receivers and legitimately getting open. But the times when he is not getting open, it's because they're sliding protection that way. So they're, they're essentially not, I don't want to say it's a double team, but they're sliding the protection over there. So there's more of a, uh, there's more of an emphasis on that side of the field wherever Odell Beckham, it, you know, that hit left or right. So if it, if it was me personally seeing what type of player Odell is, Odell's a person that loves to win. You know, a person who is driven to win, much like Tom Brady is. I, do, I think those two would be a match made in heaven, and I honestly think then that they would be a shoe in to go to the Super Bowl. Now, and it's interesting too, uh, you also, and it sounds like the way you're talking, you don't think the Patriots are the true number one. Now, explain who, who you have as your number one team in the AFC, or do you not have a number one team in the AFC so far? Silas, explain yourself. Why do you have you have Buffalo up there with the Chiefs and the and the Patriots? Explain that, Silas. I don't understand. Uh, between the, the Patriots, the Chiefs, and the Bills. Yes. Yeah. So, so there's a couple things. So I would say that the Bills' defense, in my personal opinion, are better than the Patriots. I feel like the reason why the Patriots get so much more uh, why they get so much more notoriety for their defense is because they're defending Super Bowl champions, right? So naturally. Not being biased whatsoever, I would take that defense 
over at the Buffalo, uh, over at the New England Patriots, primarily because of what I've seen um, thus far between those two defenses. And I pay close attention to them, obviously, because I'm a Buffalo Bills fan and I'm in the AFC East. Um, in terms of the Patriots' uh, offense, however, uh, it's it's day and night compared to the Bills. So I feel like those two level each other out. Ultimately, I believe if Josh Allen didn't get hurt by that bonus player, Jonathan Allen did, which was was completely ridiculous to me. I believe that the page, that the Patriots lose in Buffalo that day, um, and at that point, Buffalo would be number one in the AFC East. However, they lost. But I pretty much took that game in my heart. In my heart, I didn't really feel like I lost that game. I felt like it was stripped from me by Jonathan Allen. So I honestly have those two, in my opinion, they're tied as far as Jonathan's going. Somebody has to prove it too differently. Um, also, I'm looking at those two in their records. Uh, or no, but excuse me, their schedules. And their schedules really aren't that different from each other. They're facing nobodies. And I believe they only have like two, three hard you know, teams on their schedule. And as it pertains to the Patriots, they even have a harder schedule than the Bills. So I expect them to be pretty close to the schedules at that point. As it pertains to the Chiefs, um, at the end of the day, they have a defending super, uh, uh, a defending MVP on their, on their team. And it's disrespectful to count them out. Um, I will say that the weapons that they have on offense can pretty much outgun Almost any defense in the AFC except for two. The Bills and the Patriots. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why am I leaving out the Texans? Because they have not shown me enough <laughs> that this year that would make me think that they are Super Bowl contenders. That's the only reason. I haven't seen enough on the offensive side or defensive side. With that being said, that's the only reason why I don't have the Chiefs as number one, because that defense is so horrible. Um, do, I think, do I think at the end of the year the, the, uh, the Texans might be there? Absolutely. I'm not uh, holding that against them at all. And it's not a matter of, uh, of them being poor. I love Deshaun Watson. He's a top three quarterback. And for, for me, in terms of like what I love to see, he's my personal top three quarterback. I just love him. Uh, but in terms of... In terms of them being with the Chiefs and beating the Chiefs, I don't really believe that when it matters most, they'll get the job done. I just don't see it. Now, here's my question. I want to ask you this. The Chiefs have lost two straight games. They lost to the Texans, and they also lost to the Colts. Are the Chiefs fraudulent? Because in the beginning of the year, we were talking about Patrick Mahomes returning MVP. We're talking about how explosive this offense can be. And that they've been held at bay the last two games. Is Patrick Mahomes getting exposed, and are the Kansas City Chiefs fraudulent, Silas? Fraudulent? Wow, that is <laughs> no. They are absolutely not fraudulent. Those those boys are for real. Um, with that being said, you got it again. I have to contextualize this. Do I believe that the Chiefs are the Chiefs that they were last year? Absolutely not. Uh, that defense can't guard a parked car. <laughs> um, yeah, that 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 defense is fifty shades of awful. However, Patrick Mahomes, as as terrible as that defense is, is is exactly how much better Patrick Mahomes is than everybody else playing quarterback. And as long as you are pretty much Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes is like what Aaron Rodgers was when he was his age. I mean, or, you know, maybe like two years after you know this age of what Patrick Mahomes is right now. 
He is literally playing amazing football. Patrick Mahomes is not overrated whatsoever. The reason why we would ever say that is because of recency bias. We're so used to seeing Patrick Mahomes be so much better than everybody else, and he still is so much better than everybody else. But the issue is the defense is so terrible that where at most times you want to score right away, right? That's, that's you, you know, you have these offensive coordinators who are like, I want to score every play. Every play I draw up is to score. Well, it's not like that with the Chiefs. Teams have no problem with playing the Chiefs defense and running eight minutes off the clock before you see Patrick Mahomes again. So the formula to beating the Chiefs, it isn't exposing Patrick Mahomes. Every time Patrick Mahomes goes out there, he does, it's, it's a very good showing, right? The issue is that what, what happens when Patrick Mahomes isn't out there. Patrick Mahomes will go score a touchdown, right? And then the defense will come on. And the Chiefs, the Colts, one thing that they've done has been great at using the clock. So they know they're going to score at the Chiefs at some point. So their main premise is running down that clock and keeping Patrick Mahomes off the field. So for that reason alone, you can't say that Patrick Mahomes is the is the is is the problem here in in you know in Kansas. It has to be the defense because the defense. It, what's the number one rule in a defense? Right, you got to get off the field on third down. I believe I if I looked at the statistics correctly. They're close to dead last in terms of third down. Well, Silas, here's what I would say to you, Silas. How about this? You know, like, how about this if we're Patrick Mahomes in the offense? You know you have a terrible defense. How about this? Call an audible, get under center, and hand the ball to Shady McCoy. Don't try to score so fast. Don't try to score so fast. Because they feel like they can do that because they have people like 
uh, Galloway, they have people like Odell, um, uh, Njoku, they have people like Landry, but it doesn't matter how many receivers you have, you need to stick to the identity that was first established there. So in terms of the Chiefs, I believe that not they wouldn't be as bad as the Browns are right now, but I definitely believe that they would end fall a couple slots only because they're trying to get away from an identity that's not really there. Now, so it's a question I have for you, and this is my worry about Patrick Mahomes, because Patrick Mahomes is such a great talent, right? And you mentioned, he's Aaron Rodgers, like, when Aaron Rodgers was in his prime at his apex. That's how special Patrick Mahomes is. Mm-hmm. But I wonder this about Patrick Mahomes. Is he in danger of becoming Peyton Manning, the guy that has all these great regular season uh, awards, MVPs, Offensive Player of the Year, and flames out in the first round every year? Is Patrick Mahomes in danger of being that? Because the way it looks like to me, and... That Houston Texans-Kansas City Chiefs game was a microcosm. It reminded me. Deshaun Watson's Tom Brady. Pa- Patrick Mahomes is Peyton Manning. And-, and we all know how both of their careers turned out. Is Patrick Mahomes in danger of becoming Peyton Manning? Uh, no, and I wouldn't say that Deshaun Watson is Tom Brady. Uh, I don't, I, we don't, we don't really have a reason to say that considering that he's been bounced out of the playoffs too. I don't think either of them have that right to say it. Yes. Close to 50? Yes. And that was his first year starting. And, you know, in my opinion, he's still playing very amazing this year. He's still in the MVP discussions. Um, so, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that at all. What I, what I will say is that when he's doing great, he's going to get all the, all, all the credit. When he loses, he's going to get all the blame. In spite now, what I do, I want to ask you, I want to ask you this. Uh, Jared Goff has been struggling the last four games. Uh, he, he, last game, he didn't even throw for a, over 100 yards passing. He was pretty pedestrian. Uh, and they, they lost, and we thought the Rams would be really good. Do you think that the Rams are regretting right here, right now, paying Jared Goff all the money they did to begin the season? Uh, I mean, in hindsight, it's always easy to think like that, right? Like what I could have did versus what I actually did and what reality is. Is, um, is Jared Goff overrated? I don't, Yes. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't know too many people that rated him that high. <laughs> what do you think? I don't. I. I never thought he was that good. You know. I. I. You know what he reminds me of? He reminds me a lot of Josh Allen. Um, a, with a very good defense and like decent, with a decent offense around him, he will be very good. What is? What did you have to realize? Is this? What's the real thing that made? Jared Goff even look kind of exceptional. Just look good. He was never great. I took exceptional away. He was always just a good, solid quarterback. What made him look that good was that the game was going through Todd Gurley. Anybody, any quarterback can look good when every time you face them, they're in second and four. They're in third and two. Because of Todd Gurley putting you in a great position to pick up first downs. You know, now he has that arthritis in his knee. And you're starting to notice that that offense isn't the same. And it's not because Jared Goff isn't playing different. It's the fact of the matter that Todd Gurley's not the same person that he once was. So in terms of them... And Silas, as you know, an... Not paying him the, 
Right. And as an athlete, Silas, just talk about that. How hard is it to play football, particularly running back? Because you played a little bit of running back. I, I saw the old film in high school. We, we know you used to run back right. in the day. How, how hard is it to play running back with, all, with something like arthritis? Man, I mean, I don't even understand how Todd Gurley's doing it, honestly. Like, to be, to, to be honest, that's almost like a career ender. You know, you think about having arthritis cramping in your knee, and you're constantly bending that. One of the things that happens when you tear your ACL is there's, there's a time when uh, the knee starts to lock. That's kind of what it's like to have arthritis in your knee. You know, just imagine every time you're running, you know, throughout a game, at any point, it could just lock up. Sure, we have medication for that, you know. Medication, especially in our country, is, you know, very well. Um, but, I mean, think about your knee just consistently locking up. That's kind of what Todd Gurley has to deal with on a consistent basis. And I think everybody can see that Todd Gurley's not the same player that he once was. So, yeah, I mean, I couldn't even imagine playing running back where my knee's locking up. Now, Silas. Uh, I do want to ask you this because the like I just told you, and I told you this before the show, the Rams made a huge move, trade for Jalen Ramsey. They get they also got rid of Marcus Peters in the process. Akeem Talib is on IR but could return later in the year. How big of a move is Jalen Ramsey to the Los Angeles Rams? They're now three and three. The sky was falling in Los Angeles, but how big of an impact can Jalen Ramsey make right here, right now? Yeah, well, he's gonna make a great impact. I mean, he's just a great premier, and you know recognize his talent so he's going to do that no matter where he balls at um, I, you just told me that they got rid of Marcus Peters correct? yes yeah so I mean you know <laughs> you kind of they traded Marcus Peters to the Ravens to the Ravens huh? he's to the Ravens he's in the. He's a Raven oh boy well that's going to be tough for the AFC now with you know Mar- Marlon Humphrey and you know Peters on the other side. Ooh, and Earl Thomas. Thomas. And Earl Thomas. Uh-huh. And Earl Thomas. Yeah, and they have Earl Thomas. That dude, you're not throwing on them. So I think, honestly, the Ravens got better than, than, uh, than the Rams did. Uh, but one thing, here's what I'll say about the Rams. Um, at the end of the day, I don't care what good corner you have. Corners are complementary players, right? <laughs> so... And the defense really is, well, okay, yes. The, the defense has not been what we expected it to be. But a lot of the poor defense on on the side of the Rams has been because of the poor offensive execution of the Rams. So until you fix the offense, um, you know, of the Rams, I don't really see them making that much of a change. Do I see them making the playoffs? Eh, maybe. But I'm not surprised by that. Because you know this. A lot of times, many people who go to the Super Bowl don't make it back, and I can name a few. You know, you have the Panthers, right? They made the Super Bowl one year, and they didn't go back. Not only did they not go back to the Super Bowl, they didn't even make it back to the playoffs this, that next year. Um, the same thing can be said for the Falcons, right? Uh, the same thing can be said for, uh, right now, it looks like the Rams. Um, the same thing to be said for the Broncos. So there's so many teams who went back, who went to the Super Bowl, but then who have not even came close to making it back since, even much so making the playoffs. And a lot of that becomes a matter of you are obviously scouting them more because those are the teams that you have to look out for because that was the team that you want to be, right? You want to be in the Super Bowl. So you're going to study that team so much and you're always going to get everybody's best when they come to your camp, when they come to your town, when they come to your field. You're going to get the best out of them. And 
I think the Rams are just an example of that, which shows me why the Patriots, what we're seeing is such greatness for them to go back so many consistent times. Silas, uh, the San Francisco 49ers have been a really surprise story. Kyle Shanahan, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's played well. Their defense is fabulous. Uh, Richard Sherman, Nick Bosa, Quan uh, Alexander, just to name a few. Uh, how good are the San Francisco 49ers? They're one of the only undefeated teams in the NFL. They're the only undefeated team in the NFC. Are they fraudulent or are they for real, Silas? Let me know. Hey, they smacked the Browns on Monday Night Football. Again, it's the Browns. Okay, Silas. Okay. That is true. Now, Silas, tell me, though, what do you think is going on with the Browns? Because a lot of people talk about, is it the offensive line? Is it Baker? Is it Odell? What is going on with the Browns? I think it's the fact that they can't protect Baker. I think Freddie Kitchens is a fraud as a coach. I don't think he's doing the best job. And I think the Browns are what they've been for the better part of the last decade. Dysfunctional. They're just really talented, but still dysfunctional. <laughs> yeah, you, you pretty much pointed out all the reasons I was going to say. Look, I just want to... See, I want to do this before I even get into the Browns. Can we please clear Odell Beckham's name? Right, look, Odell, I get it. Like, Odell's the type of person that you love to hate or you, or you, hate, to, or you hate to love him, however you want to say it. This is not Odell Beckham's fault. Odell Beckham is having a pretty good season this year, in spite of, you know, pretty much every game people's lighting protection his day. So come on, you know what I mean? Like, let's not do that. Uh, he's, he'll be fine. What this comes up to is a couple things. Number one, I don't want to hear about the offensive line because the last game against the Saints, or not the Saints, the Seahawks, they didn't even touch him. And if I recall, Nick Chuck's having a pretty good season. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... I don't believe that they're just really good at running and really good at run blocking and then becoming really terrible at pass blocking. You know, that's not how that works. Um, and, and so, I do not see the offensive line as too much of an issue because they're saying that about Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb's still doing his job. I think what this comes down to is the fact of the matter that you have people, every time they go to the Browns, every time they're facing the Browns, they step it up a notch because they hear all the talk about how the Browns were going to be Super Bowl contenders and everything else. And you know we talk about that, so you know that gets preached in other locker rooms. You know, you think, you think they're going to run in here and we're a Super Bowl on us? You think Odell Beckham's going to go for 200 on us? You know what I mean? Like people just, they're not trying to hear that stuff. So I think people turn it up a little bit more just because they have that bulletin board material. I think that's one thing. I think also, at the end of the day, look, Baker Mayfield is not exempt from, you know, criticism here. At the end of the day, Baker Mayfield is the quarterback. He's going to get the bulk of the credit when he wins, so he needs to get the bulk of the blame when he loses. And as far as I'm concerned, 
everybody on this team, as it pertains to offensive, to the people who are offensive and firepower, everybody here has proven. Odell Beckham has proven himself. Jarvis Landry has proven himself. Uh, uh, Ninjoku, to a lesser degree, has solidified himself as probably like a top 10 tight end. And Nick Chubb is running his tail off. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the only person that's left to truly prove themselves in terms of being the talent that we thought he was going to be, the only person that hasn't panned out to that yet, is Baker Mayfield. Now, Silas, here's what I want to know, because you're somebody that, you know, talked a lot of trash, and, and you're kind of like Baker a little bit, Silas. Like, you like to chirp on the field. I, I'll never forget this, Silas. We were playing you in football one time, and you just kept talking the whole time, Silas. I wanted to shut you up myself. But do you think that Baker Mayfield talking so much has created a target on his back from the Richard Sherman fiasco to just now? I know. I know. Hey, hey, Silas, you remember this? You remember this? Try to check me with a starting retriever like Michael Kraft. Remember what he did that after the NFC exactly. champion? <laughs> yeah, you want to come out here and say, oh, how dare you? Now, what, now, what does Baker say? I came out here feeling dangerous. He said, keep that same energy. I think you would respect things like this. But, you know, I get it, whatever. Everybody needs bulletin material to get them psyched up, I guess, so whatever. Um, here's my thing. I was a lot like Baker. And even when coaching, I'm a lot like Baker. I'm the type of person to be like, everything they said that I said about you is 100% right, and you can't do anything about it. You're not going to stop it. I said you were trash. I said it to your face like a man and you're not going to do anything about it. That's the kind of person I am, but here's the difference. I back it up. Now, would I be talking like that if I was a D1 athlete? Nope, because I don't have no business being a D1 athlete. I'm talking about people who I know I can compete against. I do not believe people can hang with me. I'll tell them straight to their face, I don't think you can hang with me. Would I ever say that to Baker Mayfield? No, because I think Baker Mayfield can hang 100% with me. Um, I believe in Baker's heart, though, these boys really can't hang with him. And they're pursuing him, no, not only can we hang with you, we can put you up on the shelf if we want to. So I think it's important moving forward for Baker that just, just if you're going to talk, back it up. And if you, if, you're, if you can't back it up, then you need to shut it up. And that's always been my philosophy. Silas, uh, this is my last question for you. and it's something, Actually, this is not my last question for you, actually. Uh, but here's what I do want to ask you. Uh, I feel like a lot of people, when we talk about who, who are the best quarterbacks in the NFL, right? You're going to say Patrick Mahomes. You're going to say Tom Brady. You're going to say Drew Brees. People will say Ben Roethlisberger, right? Carson Wentz. And people always talk about young quarterbacks like Baker Mayfield, Dak Prescott, uh, you know, those type of guys. But people need to start putting some respect. First name Russell, last name Wilson, what he did to the Browns, what he's been doing all year long, and nobody talks about Russell Wilson. I don't understand this. He has a Super Bowl, for God's sake, and nobody talks about him. Can you please explain what is with the disrespect on this man? Yeah, I think the disrespect comes from a couple things. Number one, um, you know... Let's talk about when he was. Well, let's talk about it. Remember when he was on his run of like being like a very good quarterback? That came when you know they had like the best defense in the league. You know, when Seahawks had one of the best defenses in the league. 
you know, the, the, the Legion of Doom, right? So, I mean, he kind of took a backseat to that defense. Um, also, the reason why he's so disrespected is because at the end of the day, he's a fourth-round draft pick, right? And when you're a fourth-round draft pick, you just do not honor the same attention as all these other individuals do. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, we're recognizing real. He's in the MVP discussion. I'm just, I get what you're saying, like, on a, uh, on a, on a national scale, people do not put as much credit on Russell Wilson as they should. I think that comes down to the fact that there wasn't that much hype around him before. I think it comes down to the fact of the matter that, uh, his prime prime was during the Legion of Boom when they were going to the Super Bowl, and people recognized that, and I think that, um... It's also his personality, you know? He's not the type of person to be loud and about. He's not really a character, he's a person, you know? What's the, the coolest thing I know about Russell Wilson is that he's married to Sierra, <laughs> you know? So like, I don't really got a lot to, to talk about. It's like, oh my God, he's a great quarterback, yeah, yeah. All right, what else do you got? Yeah, nothing really. It's like, all right, well, you know, all right, good job, Russell Wilson. I think it's, I think the sound Watson to a lesser degree is the exact same thing. You know, there's just not much of a, you know, see, here's the thing. Football, the NFL, the National Football League, is just as much as an entertainment drama as it is an entertainment of athletes. So you love people who give you drama. People say, ah, oh, Baker Mayfield. You think really the league as a drama is better off without Baker? No, because watch the NFL for drama. Baker's your guy. There's nothing with Odell Beckham. Why do why do the Browns get so much credit and you know like so much press? How can a team that was like three and like a bunch of losses, a million of losses, getting covered as much as they do? I'll tell you, because Odell Beckham's there and Baker Mayfield's there. That's why they're getting press. And the same and you know. You could argue, like, a person like Tom Brady, for example. Okay, well, then he get pressed. Because that's what happens when you win six rings. But a person who's won a ring, like Russell Wilson, who's quiet, who's a family man at home, doesn't say much. It's the same reason why nobody brings up Drew Brees like that. We bring him up as a good quarterback. We don't garner that much, you know, attention on his name. So, I mean, I think it's just as much as his situation as it is with his personality, too. It's just not something that people really care too much to talk about. And Silas, my last question before I let you go: Who won the rat beef between Damian Lillard and Shaquille O'Neal? Are you kidding me? Damian took that boy to church. Oh my God! Stop it, Sai. Man, like fish grease. Stop it, Sai. Are you kidding me? I, I thought I was eating catfish. <laughs> that boy ate him up. He served him a. Oh my goodness, yo, Damian can rap, yo. Like rap, rap, not just like Playboy rap, but like play, not for play, play, not for sugar play, play, but for real. He rap. So like, no, I'm sorry, Shaq, it's past your time. And here's my thing: since when does Shaq have enough time to do this? Isn't he trying to get his kid to the pros? <laughs> like, does Shaq have enough time to rap? He hasn't put out something since Biggie died. And now you're gonna mess with Dame. He hasn't put out since Biggie died. Sitting there minding his own business. His ugly self trying to rap with somebody. <laughs> yeah. I can't stand Shaq. Shaq be killing me, man. Shaq, Shaq wanted to be everything but a sports analyst. He wanted to be a cop. He wanted to be a teacher. He, he said he wanted to go back to school to be an officer. Shaq, just 
uh, spit on his freestyle. That was the first time I was like, yo, man, Shaq can rap. Diddy, you're gonna tell you're gonna tell that lie? As successful of a black man as you, you're gonna tell that lie to the American public? Diddy, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. No, I'm good well, Shaq. Shaq. Shaq can't rap any more than my grandmother can. Because my grandmother does poetry. That's pretty much what it is with Shaq. Shaq just do a little bit of poetry. He can put things to rhyme together. Rhyming and rapping are two different things. That's all Shaq does is rhyme. He does not rap. Damien got the flow, the swag, the sugar, and the pizzazz. He can do all of that. Well spoken, Silas. Silas, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Bye. Take care. And coming up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, I'm going to tell you who's the most overrated quarterback in the NFL. Me and Silas just talked about him. Kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk again. I want to thank Silas Garrison for coming on. I didn't realize that uh, Silas made that Will Smith reference, and uh, that's what his grandma, his Mima, used to call him. <laughs> for a little fresh Prince of, Prince of Ballet or Will Smith. Love it. Uh, so the most overrated quarterback in the NFL. $32 million a year. Jared Goff. He got exposed, folks. Exposed for what he is. An average quarterback. And, I, and this has been a theme of the podcast. And I'll say this again for new listeners. Jared Goff is a souped-up Alex Smith. Decent athlete. Nice accuracy. Solid arm. But you want to know what made Alex Smith, what put him on the map, what made him seem better than he was, when he was in an offensive system with Jim Harbaugh and the San Francisco 49ers, when he was in an offensive system with Kansas, with Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs? Alex Smith looked pretty damn good, right? Right? Same with Jared Goff. Jared Goff doesn't look good with Jeff Fisher. Right? Jared Goff looks like a borderline MVP candidate when he's with Sean McVay in this fun, up-tempo offense that the Los Angeles Rams run. Here are Jared Goff's last four outings. And tell me if this his last four outings. And that, well, let me show you that this doesn't show average and just bad. His last game, 78 yards, zero touchdowns, and zero picks. Eh. The game before that, one touchdown and one interception. Eh. His third glass game, two touchdowns and three picks. Eh, eh, eh. And his fourth game, two touchdowns and two picks. Eh. Bad. Not good. Dreadful. Average. Bum. Not good. Excuse me, I won't use the word bum. Jared Goff's a little bit better than a bum. Jared Goff is overrated. He's paid like the best quarterback in the NFL, paid like a top five quarterback in the NFL, and that is what he is not. He is in the 15th to 20th range. That's what Jared Goff is. And there's no problem with that. It's a nice living. But you want to know what? It's not a top five living. It's not. Because the talent isn't meeting the value, and the value isn't meeting the production. Right? And if you notice... Jared Goff, he's a play-action quarterback. When you have Todd Gurley in the backfield, you can do, use play-action. You know, you're running the ball downhill with Todd Gurley. The, the linebackers creep up to the line of scrimmage. You get more one-on-one -on -one matchups with your receivers on the outside. You have a Sean, you have a Todd Gurley, so when you do the play-action, the linebackers freeze. You get hit a great throw over the middle. 
You can continue to run the ball and you get single coverage outside everywhere. You don't have to worry about people dropping back in coverage and having to work against uh, five, six people, right? It's easier. Jared Goff is an elite quarterback. He's mediocre. He's average. He's okay. He's eh. He's, he's, he's all right. He's all right. He's a five. He's not a ten. <laughs> he's a five. That, that, that's what he is. And I hate to say it. I called I call Dak Prescott a five about a couple months ago. I said, you want to know what? Dak Prescott is a five. He's not a ten. And Dak won ten, ten money. He won ten money. But Dak's not a supermodel. Dak's just okay. Just okay. Same with Jared Goff. And there's nothing wrong with that. Now, I want to get to my week seven NFL predictions. We have not done NFL predictions in a while. I'm going to get back on that. I apologize for that. But here's where it starts. Dolphins at Bills. I have the Bills winning 24-6 in a dominating uh, defensive effort. Chiefs at Broncos. I have the Chiefs getting back on track. I have the Chiefs putting up 30 points, winning 30 to 27 against the Broncos, I think Joe Flacco in that offense is going to have some success because the Chiefs offense defense has been terrible lately. Jaguars at Bengals, I have the Jaguars winning 20 to 14. Vikings at Lions, I have the Lions winning 24 to 23 on a last second Matthew Stafford drive. Raiders at Packers, I have the Packers winning 24 to 27 with another Mason Crosby field goal. Rams at Falcons, I have the Falcons winning 25 to 24. Uh, but I'm going to change this as I'm looking at this now because Jalen Ramsey has just been added to the Rams, so I'm going to change this the opposite direction. 25-24 Rams. Texans at Colts. I have the Texans winning 24-20. 49ers at Redskins. I have the 49ers winning 31-14. Cardinals at Giants. I have the Giants winning 31-26. And a duel of rookie quarterbacks. Daniel Jones versus Kyler Murray. Chargers at Titans. I have the Chargers winning 20 to 17. Saints at Bears. I have the Saints winning 16 to 14. Ravens at Seahawks. I have the Seahawks winning 29 to 23. And Russell Wilson continuing his MVP tear. Eagles at Cowboys. I have the Cowboys winning 27 to 24. And Patriots at Jets. I have the Patriots winning 44 to 14. And that is it for my week seven NFL predictions. I will see everybody on Friday. We will have an interesting show. I'm going to have a special guest. I'm not going to tell you yet. It's going to be a little bit of a tease, uh, but he covers the Washington Nationals. So we're going to talk about that, especially if the Nationals get the job done uh, tonight and they have a World Series berth. And by the way, I want to say this for my man, Patrick Stein, who hasn't come on the show in a while. Astros in seven. Actually, I'm just joking. I got the Yankees in seven. But I just want to say the Astros because it messes with my friend Patrick. Justin Verlander on the mound against Aaron Judge. Had to get a little baseball in. Um, especially for you, Mr. Abel, if you're listening out there. And thank you for tuning in to the 105th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. <laughs>